Welcome to Sharing Social, the monthly show that connects the people behind the hashtags with content, ideas, and insights. Hi, I'm Ian. And I'm Becca. If you're new to Sharing Social, welcome. But if you've been to any of our meetings, then welcome back. We started in 2018 as a monthly meetup, something we hope to revive when it's safe to do so, and then transitioned to online and launched into the podcast. Each show, we're going to be talking all things social media, from video, branding, Facebook, influencer marketing, TikTok, maybe even Clubhouse, social listening, news insights and knowledge, and heaps of inspiration. Today, our theme is Facebook ads. Here's a question for you, Becca. What makes you click a Facebook ad? What makes me click a Facebook ad? The first thing is going to be if it's relevant to me. So as creepy as it is when I'm scrolling through and Facebook or the Instagram ads as well seem to know me better than I know myself, that's going to catch my attention. I then look at things like, is it colourful? Have they made what's potentially a kind of boring product really interesting and how have they done that and if it entertains me that's a bonus and that's going to get me to click through and have a look more to find out like what the brand's like and could I potentially want to purchase it maybe. That's interesting that you noted it needed to be colourful for you to click a Facebook ad. Did you kind of done an experiment to see which ads that make you want to click or is it just so happens that actually if it's got bright colours you tend to click it more than something that's less colourful? I think it's just when you think about scrolling through your feed if it's an ad you're already set up to have to work hard to get somebody to stop scrolling right so if it's colourful and if they've done something that's really creative so what comes to mind is when brands use um, stop motion to use different colours and to create what is essentially a video ad but not just filming the product in somebody's hand or whatever then that's going to be much more appealing and get me to stop because it becomes a piece of content within itself rather than here's an ad watch one it's Mm. actually providing some level of value to me okay um i uh written down something similar actually when you said relevance Mm. i was like damn that's the one i've got (laughs) um i'm i'm a i'm a secret fan of um, retargeting and I think it's a great thing I know everyone has or a lot of people have kind of issues with its privacy which is absolutely um, you know big concern but when something is retargeted uh, and matches my interests I'm definitely more likely to click it I've noted that noticed that in my own behavior Um, you know relevant products to something I have been looking for um, you know, recently or recent to, to seeing the ad, I have engaged with and bought products from. So that's definitely worked for me. That's definitely what's made me click. Anything else? Sometimes I just like to spy on the brand and click through and see what they've done um, and if they're running any other ads, what techniques they're using. Um, and yeah, what what is their approach? I also like to compare how it um, looks to their organic content and just be nosy so that's the social media manager inside you that's going this is a research opportunity it's really bad yeah my my never switch off i have saved ads on facebook and instagram just because i'm interested how they're put together 
one of the things I've noted that again makes me click how an ad put together is if it's I want to say informational, but what I mean is it, a product demonstration. Mm-hmm. So I recently bought a it's called a, a, a Velo sock. That's a brand name, um, and it's a it's a a, a wrap around material that fit you fit a bike into. Um, and when I saw that advertised, uh, I was like the uh, the product was being shown to be really easy to use um, and my partner picked it up and, and promoted it to me as well uh, and we eventually got one uh, actually using the products really really difficult <laughs> uh, yeah it's kind of like a two-man job as well but I remember in the ad they made it look super super easy um, so yeah you know kind of uh, product demonstrations I think are a really good idea quick video Um, Because we know video tends to be the most kind of engaging type of content anyway. For everyone who's listening, we want to know what makes you click on a Facebook ad too. You can tweet us at sharesocialldn or you can go on to Instagram at sharingsociallondon uh, and tell us what inspires you to click on a Facebook ad. We want to know. Each episode, we will be chatting to a special guest, picking their brain about our theme, so Facebook ads. To kick things off, I spoke to Harry Gardner, one of our long-standing members of Sharing Social, about all of his recommendations for running ads. Every month on the Sharing Social podcast, we are going to be joined by a special guest. And this month, we are kicking things off with somebody who you might have met if you've ever come to any of our in-person meetups. And you also might have seen them on our online Uh, meetups last year and that person is Harry. Hey! Hello! Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. It's I, I've missed sharing social meetups so much. I know. We have too, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, for anyone who hasn't met you yet, although what are they doing if they haven't, do you <clears> want to give people a little insight into what you do, where you work? Yes, of course. If you uh, if you haven't seen me, I'm usually the, the ridiculously tall one who hangs around at the sharing social meetups. Um, I'm a social ecosystem project manager uh, for an advertising agency called Inside Ideas Group. Uh, essentially, what that means is I play whack-a-mole with a lot of different accounts, uh, social accounts, and make sure they all run nice and smoothly. Nice. What do you think? Um, so what does your day-to-day look like at the moment? I guess you're working remotely along with most other people <laughs> yeah with the, with the rest of the world um yeah i work um my, my main client is a large-scale alcohol brand it has over a thousand different social media accounts so as you can imagine the majority of my day is spent embedded uh in social accounts and like facebook business manager trying to ensure that everyone's been granted correct permissions uh they're connect- connected to the correct accounts and you know they're able to successfully manage their ad campaigns without any hiccups we want everything to run as smoothly as possible Um, it's actually been really interesting being able to fully understand the inner workings of Facebook Business Manager and uh, the ad accounts connected to it. That I feel like so many people are going to want to pick your ba- brain on um, the Business Manager because that causes so many headaches for people and all the loopholes that there are or if your ad gets rejected, do this or... when I hate it when it goes glitchy. That's the worst because you're like... It's, it's the worst. Anything now. <laughs> I've been I've been deep in it in for for like over a year now and it's it still baffles me on a day-to-day basis seriously some of the updates that come through and stuff like that it's it's a very complex program but it's it's fun though it is good I'm glad you're having fun with it glad that thank you you enjoy it um so I guess 
Today we're going to be talking specifically about Facebook ads and everything. Um, so something I want to ask you is what's your process when you're managing like these thousands of accounts and everything? Where do you start and what can other people um, do to kind of make their life as easy as possible? I know like you're managing thousands, people even managing just one can come ac- like across loads of challenges. So yeah, how, what does your process look like and where do you start? Yeah, great question. But like at the end of the day, it, social advertising, Facebook advertising, you know, across every platform, success comes down to the exact same factors that any other form of advertising comes down to. Who sees it and how well it connects with those people. Those two factors alone hold so much weight. It's ridiculous. Uh, I know the old adage of like, you know, know your audience is is said over and over and over and over again in our industry, but it's so true. And it's not just about knowing your audience, it's about actually understanding who they are. Targeting can make or break an ad campaign. Like I know people talk about it, but I think it goes so much deeper. Nowadays, you don't just need to know who you're targeting, you need to understand what they do, how they act. And luckily, uh, well, for better or worse for the public, depending on how you see it, Facebook's targeting tools allow us to really get an in-depth understanding of who people are. Um, I actually saw a great talk once from an FBI, uh, Facebook representative, and I, I can't apologize enough for not remembering their name, but they explained in quite acute detail about how Facebook's targeting tools enable businesses to target specific family members with personalized ads at different times throughout the day, so much so that they could practically guarantee they'd be talking about your product or your service at the dinner table later that day. Um, I think this is brought to life really well uh, in a certain parts of the, the Social Dilemma documentary. Yes. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Yeah. I loved it, but it, it scared yeah. me a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> it terrified me, but it's so true, seriously. And a lot of what you do and how you act online, people don't think that it's like every action is trapped, but it, but it truly is. With cookies, everything that's going on nowadays, pretty much any actions you take online or in communicating with your friends online is recorded and, and used for advertising. That's so true. And I think when people come into this industry and start learning about all the targeting opportunities there are, you only scratch the surface when you first start. And then when you understand just how specific you can be, even with things like the schedule, like you're saying, like when to run ads, when to target specific people, it is a little bit terrifying how much control you can have with these ads. But at the end of the day, that's how you get the results that we're looking for. So once you've got a new campaign, you've got your targeting options selected, you know who your audience are, where do you start with creating ads? So it's it's uh, no one process really fits all, to be honest. Um, and practice makes perfect. Uh, you've got to test everything that you do. Um, and experiment with different ad formats. Um, what works for one product and what works for one service might not work for the other. And I'll probably repeat this many, many times over this podcast, but like, yeah, it what worked really well in one campaign and what made one campaign super successful might fail miserably in another. So it's worth testing and don't just assume that just because something worked really well, it'll work again. Um, create three or four different ad variations, split the budget between them. Change up the copy, tweak the creative until you find, you know, that winning formula that really excels with the audience you're targeting. That way, you'll also get a better understanding of what they actually enjoy. To make it even easier, lots of social platforms allow A-B split testing automatically when it comes to ads. So the job is automated for you and there's really no excuse not to do it. 
That's so true. I think it's really important, isn't it, to test your ad variants um, and test them regularly as well. I sometimes we get clients in and they've got ads running that they've they've set live forever. They've never changed them or tweaked them. And regardless of how they're performing, and quite often they're not performing very well. Um, how often would you say is a good um, amount of time to swap in, whether it's new creative or adjust the copy? I think it's just really important to be monitoring um, constantly, really. Like, obviously, we don't expect 24 hours and everything like that. But Facebook allows hour-by-hour hour reports to be pulled out. You can do it more minute than that, but don't really need to, to be honest. You can pull constant reports and report on it, monitor and optimise your ads constantly so that you have the winning creative. I mean, I know uh, talking about things to avoid as well when creating ads, like not knowing who you're advertising to is obviously one thing, but funneling money into failing campaigns. Like... I, the amount of people who don't check up on their campaigns and let them run for, say, two weeks and then wonder why it didn't work well. Mm-hmm. I, I never really understood it. If you're not monitoring the performance of your ads, at least on a daily scale, it, it can just lead to your businesses wasting money on campaigns that aren't being seen by anyone. Completely. I think, and I, I'm sure you do this as well, I always schedule out time every morning to just go in, have a quick check. Most of the time, things are all right, aren't they? But then it it makes it so much easier to spot when something has taken a turn for the worst. Oh, definitely. Just 15 minutes a day, checking in, pulling a report. Your clients will love it as well because they'll think you're on top of the world if you're you're sending them like daily reports, obviously. They'll probably ask you to stop emailing them and just take it (laughs) weekly. It will save you time. This is just too much data. (laughs) I, I do love getting stuck into the Excel sheets though and getting like really digging deep into the reporting and stuff like that. As much as there's some great reporting tools out there and, you know, it's all really wonderful to see what's available and they're nice and shiny, mm-hmm. I don't think anything quite beats pulling off the, the actual report from the native platform and just going yes. through the Excel sheets and, and building your own, uh, you know, Excel docs showcasing the work you do. It's also yeah. a nice way to just uh, spend a couple of hours lost in numbers. <laughs> you say a couple of hours, I could probably spend like a whole day quite easily <laughs> just going through them. Definitely. Um, I think that's really important, though, that you mentioned reporting um, and reviewing how the ads have performed, even when they're really successful, looking for the patterns, right? Whether yeah. it's that that particular audience or have you tested a new creative that's worked particularly well so that even in different campaigns, you can take those learnings and adjust them as appropriate. Exactly. When you're looking at a campaign, what are... Let me start that again again. Is there anything that are um, red flags to you, Harry, that you, if you saw them in a campaign that was running, you would say, nope, that needs to change? Or maybe even when you're preparing a campaign to go live, is there anything that you will avoid doing? A couple of things, actually. Like in terms of some businesses tend to just boost posts. And whilst this is an effective top level method of getting posts seen, it's not necessarily an effective top level method of getting actually conversions. Um not knowing why you're advertising on the platform is one of the biggest hurdles. Um, like I, I know 10 years ago, everyone said, we all need a social media page. And now brands are starting to wake up and realize maybe they don't need a Pinterest account. You know, no one's going on, uh, I'm struggling to think of an example that doesn't work with Pinterest. No one's, no <laughs> one's going on Jake's, Jake's oil shack and shopping for, you know, oil, different oil parts on, on Pinterest. But yeah. Uh, certain methods of social media communication work really well. So not knowing why you're actually doing the ads and just giving it money just to be out there won't really work well in the crowded market on today's crowded marketplace. Um, 
I know it's a dumb thing, but actually consider why you're actually advertising and who, again, who you're going to be advertising to. If you don't set out clear business objectives, develop assets that actually work for the medium and understand exactly why it is you, what it is you want to achieve, it likely won't be a success story. The amount of people I see taking just random pictures, not sizing them correctly, not you know, optimizing them whatsoever, and just posting them up as ads and just sending them out. Oh, it makes my heart bleed. It really does. It, it just makes me sad. Oh, I think that's so true. And, and even when it comes down to platform, right, when we're looking at why are you advertising and who are your audience, where, where are they spending their time online? I definitely have had experience where people are like, oh, yeah, let's just put social ads on, on everything. It's like, whoa, why? That's, that's not the best use of your time or your money. And your audience aren't, aren't necessarily on all of those platforms, are they? That's it. The way I see it, you wouldn't spend advertising budget, like top level advertising budget on beer mats if you were a non-drinking brand. So yeah. why would you spend it on a social platform where your audience aren't there? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a, I can go down, I can start running for a while, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> now we've talked about what not to do. Do you have any recommendations of best practices? Facebook ads. Yes, yeah. Uh, I get really excited about this as well. When you asked me to come on a podcast, I started writing out like top tips, like love this kind of thing. Um, and I've mentioned a couple of them already, but uh, we'll go through them in more detail. So know who you're targeting. Obviously, we've covered it off already, but it's so important to say. Um, my second top tip, number two, get great testimonials. Social media is just modern day word of mouth. Uh, any recommendations to sell products, do sell products. Um, do your best to get genuine, honest testimonials, which I know isn't as easy as just snapping your fingers, but if it's a genuinely good product, it's likely people will start talking about it and actually saying it. Even if it's just comments that you see on your Facebook posts from people saying, tried this, loved it, brilliant. Sally from, you know, Kent might be a great salesperson for you because it might be the exact audience you're trying to reach. Um, ensure you use them in your ads and make sure you ask for permission to use them as well. People love being felt uh, made to feel special. So if you're saying, Sally, we'd love to use your, your comment in our ads. Is that okay? As long as she's fine with it, excellent. That actually leads me not kind of since number three, which is offer people exclusive offers. Uh, they love to feel special. They love to feel like they're the only ones who have seen something. So why not say, thank you so much, Sally. She's getting a lot from this. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sally, for following us on Facebook. Here's 10% off your next purchase. Or say, okay, to all our Facebook followers, thank you so much. We've just hit a milestone, be it 100 or 10,000 followers. Here's, yeah. you know, 5% off from the next next purchase you make. It'll really help just give your ads that little bit of extra edge. And plus, if you can afford it, it's a great way to get out there and obviously spread the product. Also, people might like the discount and start talking about it more. So off testimonials and offers kind of go hand in hand. Uh, number four, and I could, again, spend a whole podcast talking about this, but it's that branded content works wonders. I know you and me talk about influencers quite a lot, Becca, and like we could probably spend hours doing a whole other podcast about it. But Facebook allows businesses to promote brand partner posts, which is essentially influencers posts. Your business can take that post and actually put money behind it and showcase it to your audience. It's an incredibly powerful tool in your arsenal. It's like a super testimonial showcasing that it's not only regular people who like your products, celebs love it too. Um, if you're a business running ads on Facebook and you've not looked into branded partnerships yet, okay, it might not work for your brand if you're offering a service that doesn't particularly work for you know great people. An STI clinic, for example, might not want to advertise using you know Justin Bieber. But 
I can't recommend it enough if your product's something that you really want to get out there, especially for lifestyle brands. Um, Facebook even offers a brand collabs manager uh, to help pair you with potential influencers. So you don't even need to do the hard work of finding an influencer. Facebook will pair you up with it. It does the hard work for you. I love that. I think that is one of the things that people don't realise. Facebook has this reputation, right, for being hard work. And it, it is hard sometimes to contact support, for example, if you do have a big problem. But there are these tools and these ways to make your life easier and to get more out of the social activity you're doing, right? Massively so. And I, I promise I'm in no way endorsed by <laughs> Facebook. And personally, I have my own issues with the platform that are pages and pages long. But yeah, it does give you the tools. And there's a whole creator studio within Facebook that offers so much access. And they keep tweaking those tools as well. It's not like they're just out there and then they fall short. These tools evolve and they evolve. So if you haven't done ads for couple of months and you're thinking oh no, I didn't like it when I used it last because it didn't give me this access go check it out again log on have a play around put five pound behind it and spend it on a random ad to see what works you don't have to spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds I've worked with local brands and startups that have spent 50 quid a week and got decent mm. results out of it and currently working with an alcohol brand that's spending well stupid amounts <laughs> personally but yeah crazy crazy money it's so true yeah. i think that's a really good point there about how you don't have to spend a lot to test the waters and see what's performing and just get a feel for the platform i know i don't know if you ever feel like this but if you have a week off and you like off from work you come back something will have always changed within the ads manager you're like oh this this looks different like what what happened so it's definitely worth checking in frequently to see what's new, how they've changed things. And yeah, despite its flaws, it, it can be a nice experience. Some of the time, running ads. <laughs> Some of the time, yeah, definitely, definitely. And it is, it's the small tweaks, which actually leads us quite nicely into my fifth and final point of practice makes perfect. Just keep trying it out, keep trying different ads. As, as you know, you and I both mentioned, you don't need to spend lots. You don't need to actually you know, run these huge scale campaigns. You can run small scale campaigns, get to know who's kind of working really well, and you can build audiences from that as well. Um, yeah, it's it's not this big, scary platform that everyone thinks it is. And OK, yes, it looks technical and there's a lot of different factors, but just go step by step through it. Try out different methods, see what works for your brand, because I guarantee you it won't be what works for everyone else's brand. Everyone's different and each brand has different things to offer. So different aspects might work for you that don't work for so and so. Um, just keep practicing, keep trying it. Um, it's a great skill to learn and obviously then you'll be able to, to deep delve in and uh, reach the people you want to reach. That's very, very true. When you're managing the campaigns day to day, Harry, do you find that as time goes on, more and more of your efforts and your strategy overall is going towards paid rather than organic Facebook activity? Fantastic question. Yeah. Um, pay to play is the way forward. Um, as nice as these social platforms are for everyone, and as great as it is that you get a free way to connect with your friend from across the country and across the globe, it's a pay-to-play platform. And at the end of the day, they are a business. Facebook aren't going to give your business free advertising space if you don't actually adhere to what their standards are and if you don't pay enough for them. And, okay, I've just gone through and said, okay, you can spend a little bit amount on your brand and get to the right audience. Yes, you can. But there are brands that are spending ridiculous amounts of budget on social advertising and like huge chunks of their budget on, on Facebook because the platform constantly demands more and more and more from these bigger brands and 
constantly demands like you know payment essentially you've yeah. got to think of it as an advertising method just like a billboard you'd pay mm-hmm. for a billboard for a certain amount of time and you'll reach x amount think of it as a super targeted billboard that appears on everyone's screen in their house essentially <laughs> um yeah, yeah it's it's a definite pay-to-play method thank you for all of those tips they're really really helpful um and i completely agree i think as time goes on organic social is um a nice thing to do but if you really want the results and the the targeting we've got to we've got to use paid social um do you especially with the brands that you're working with ever come into any problems with restrictions on ad content that you're including or and if you do how do you get around that yeah um great question um one of the biggest restrictions is i know something that any social media manager has an issue with which is facebook's 20 percent text rule you know the one where you have to yeah your ad reach is limited if it, if text covers 20 percent your image yeah yeah the annoying one it originally used to be like way back when it used to be the ad would not run if you had 20 percent on it uh but now they've just limited it the reach and stuff like that obviously it's an issue for a lot of businesses i find it makes people come up with more creative uh ad designs to be honest if you can't but uh you know some a lot of wording on your image put it in the copy if you can't you know if it feels the image too much change up the image change up the creative come it kind of helps spur on the creative team a little bit which is quite nice but it is a very annoying challenge especially when you don't think it uh, covers 20 percent, but facebook says it does Uh, (laughs) they do have an online tool to check so just in case you ever want to check like i i use it constantly when i was creating ads like actually on the forefront um, just because it's quite nice to just drop your creative in there really quickly and just see what they're going to say about it. Um, on a personal level, though, uh, working with alcohol brands at the moment, obviously it does involve using a potentially sensitive content uh, a lot. Um, so we have to ensure that everything we put out is completely aligned with not only Facebook's policies on drinking and alcohol, but um, also our clients' internal policies. So making sure that everything is completely compliant I've sort of become like the compliance police uh, in my current role. So I go around like ensuring that every profile is compliant, has the right wording. All the stuff we could produce is compliant as well. Um, it's, a, it's a deep rabbit hole that goes very far down um, of just like, you know, making sure that everything's all right. But we don't want to put alcohol advertising in, the, in front of someone who wouldn't appreciate it and would, would feel, you know, would feel potentially uh, worried by it. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's important to remember when you are targeting not everyone will want to see your ad. So consider that and obviously put that into practice and, and lay out if you're advertising something that's potentially sensitive, make sure you're taking that into a factoring that in. Don't advertise uh, drink to under 18s, for example, is, an, is a stupidly obvious one, but targeting, <laughs> if you look at targeting, <laughs> Facebook allows you to target down to 13. Don't do it. Don't that, yeah. wipe that bit out. <laughs> I think some people... Um, would just kind of select all, oh, wouldn't they? Like, yep, yeah, let's have the widest age range everywhere. All, you know, not be um, thoughtful of any interests or behaviours at all. And then it'd be like, oh, why is my ad not performing so great? Well... That's it. Just as a side <laughs> note, that is the fastest way to lose money on any ad you create is just to just not select a targeting method and just go, or go like, oh, I want... All 18 to 20 year olds in Suffolk, for example. No, <laughs> no, because that's so that. wide. Yeah, that's that's just, you know, that's like putting an ad on top of a car and driving it down every street in Suffolk and hoping that maybe two people see it. I'm using a lot of analogies in this. I don't know. I miss, <laughs> I miss old school advertising. I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> Do you think you can ever be too specific with your targeting? 
Same goes, yeah. Obviously, it's the two extremes, really. I think you can get to a point where, you know, you're targeting... I'm going to mention Sally again. If Sally's particularly into cats that wear giraffe outfits and you're thinking, I want to get her exactly, that's great. You'll get one conversion, but no one else might be. So yeah, I think you can go like too finite. And Facebook will tell you it has that nice sliding scale where it will say yes. it's too targeted or not targeted enough and there's a little sweet spot. But yeah. um, albeit, if you're not spending that much and you want conversions and if you do manage to get really niche from your targeting and say, okay, I've got six people who I know will absolutely adore this ad, if they all convert, that's a really successful ad. But yeah, if you want to try and, you know, obviously that's rose-tinted glasses in a real world. <laughs> um, if you want to actually try and sell and actually reach a decent amount of people, it's worth getting that little sweet spot in the middle where you're targeting a decent amount of people, but not too many or too little. Yeah, completely. Last big question. What challenges do you come across most frequently, Harry, when you're doing Facebook ads? Um, so... Obviously, we've just mentioned about how everyone and their everyone and their mother went on Facebook about 10 years ago and jumped on social platforms. One of the biggest issues I face on a daily basis is this crowded market. Standing out isn't easy. Um, one of the reasons everyone always talks about Wish, the brand, is because their ads are yeah. so ridiculous that they make conversation. And it's it's I like to think, I don't know for sure, and I, you know, on record I can't say for sure, but it's one of their methods of advertising is they they target very strange stuff. So you do start talking about it. And it's that whole word of mouth thing of developing that. Because if you see a random item that you have no idea what it is, you're going to ask your friends, you're going to screenshot it, you're going to send it to people. That's free advertising for them. Um, it's so important that the correct people see your ads though. And that's why it all comes down to again, and I know we bleat on about it, but knowing who your audience are and understanding what they're actually enjoy. Um, as I mentioned before, there's no set formula. Uh, I wish I had the magic formula to say exactly what brand's audience were. Some people build out profiles of their users, which is great. They build out these like nice like audience profiles. Uh, I've just built Sally on this on this podcast, so that's fantastic. I'll be definitely <laughs> taking her into marketing, which is fantastic. Um, but as I mentioned, what works for one campaign might completely fail with another. So it is a constant process of monitoring reporting and optimizing your campaigns until it all flows like a well-oiled machine. Yep. So which platform do you use the most? So I am totally addicted to Reddit. Um, I know it's not the platform people go for the most, but for me, it's the first page I check on a day-to-day -day basis. I know that sounds terrible now I'm saying it out loud as well. I am truly addicted to it. Um, Twitter and Insta <laughs> probably come a close second. Why does it, it doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> How about you though? Which platforms, which, which one's your addiction? I so I'm quite happy you said Reddit because I do spend a lot of time on there as well. It just yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> are you are you a lurker or a poster? Um, I'm a lurker. I I'm too scared to actually say anything on Reddit. It's <laughs> what about you? Do you post? I yeah I do a little bit. I use a lot of different forums for like answering questions and stuff like that, which is cool. So like I I put a lot mm. of I ask a lot of questions online and and get a lot back. And uh, I'm a massive nerd, so I play a lot of D&D, &D, so I spend a lot of time on the D&D &D reddits. Nice. Yeah, I bet it's really good for that, actually. <laughs> I think I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram at the moment, and Twitter, actually, especially with everything going on in the world. Yeah. Um, I might surprise you, I'm spending less time on TikTok. <laughs> I got, got too addicted to it over Christmas, I think. I have like... just downloaded it, and I do not understand it. I don't. <gasps> I'm, just getting, I'm just getting married people content. Um, like, like, just married and couple content, which is a bit weird anyway. And then lots of weird dances. Is that is that what I, I'm, is that the main thing? Is am I just missing out? Like, 
Yeah, it, it's it's weird, right? Because everyone goes through that phase and they're like, Becca, I've downloaded TikTok. Um, what is this? What, <laughs> how, why do you spend so much time on here? And I'm like, just wait. Just just give it okay. like a week. Just try it. It will. The algorithm will change. Cool. Cool. Um, I'll give it some time. Yeah, give it some time. See what happens. <laughs> Next question. Cool. Quick, quick fire. Who did you last tweet? So my last tweet was actually, uh, it was a quote retweet about romanticising trips to Lidl, which is probably the most exciting thing to happen in lockdown <laughs> in my household. Seriously, like I go once a week, I plan it, I get ready, I like dress up now. God. It's fantastic. I love it. I am so glad you said that. <laughs> it's, do you feel like uh, a trip to the supermarket has become the night out? Like that's, that's it. Seriously, if I could, if I could see friends there, just across the aisles, it would be like it would be the best experience in the world. Oh, I love that. Um, and finally, do you know what your first tweet was? Ah, uh, so if I remember rightly, up until recently, I actually had two Twitter accounts: one personal and one work related. Um, last year, I took a massive break from Twitter, uh, deleted my personal account, kind of just stepped away from social media for a bit, just. 2020 was bad enough. I didn't need that as well. Um, but I had my personal one for a little bit longer, so I kind of lost all of that legacy stuff. However, my first tweet from my professional account is to my friend and ex-colleague, uh, Laura, from the week I started at my first career job at a digital marketing company called Kuzai. Way back in two, uh, November 2012, uh, I was offering her more cakes that I'd baked for the team. Uh, I haven't stopped talking about food since, though. So, yeah, it was a great start. <laughs> oh, start as you mean to go on. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. Hopefully it won't be too long before we can see each other socially distanced and meet up with the whole sharing social community. Exactly. Socially distant sharing social. Yes. That's a lot of social. That's a, it's a lot of S's, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, where can people find you on social media they want to chat to you okay so yeah let's go twitter um at hr underscore gardener because at hr gardener was taken i then claimed it and forgot the password <laughs> so win um so yeah at hr underscore gardener on twitter um or at hr gardener on instagram if you want to see nice pictures of landscapes when i go for my walks because again the most exciting thing to happen in lockdown yes. <laughs> excellent well thanks for coming on harry Thanks, bye. Now we've got some social media news to tell us what has happened since we've recorded the last episode. First thing I want to talk about is TikTok and how much time we're spending on the platform. Time spent on TikTok is up 325% since last year and is now beating Facebook in terms of hours spent per user per month. The question is, will this continue? And will the new platform Clubhouse have any impact on the number of hours we're spending on TikTok? Many of you will have seen WhatsApp facing backlash after the new compulsory update, which will see more data being shared with Facebook. The update prompted an influx of downloads to competitor Signal, who doesn't share data with Facebook. But WhatsApp has now pushed the update back to May in a desperate attempt to keep users on the platform. One important thing to note is that the change, no matter when it ends up going ahead, won't affect UK users because of data protection laws. And finally, Facebook is rolling out a new page design for pages of public figures and creators, featuring a new simple design, including features like a Q&A format, improved page management tools, and more safety features. That's all of the news for this episode. All right, brilliant. Thanks, Becca. Okay, so this part of the show 
is where I get to share three fun facts. Now, I want to change this and I hope it's going to be a permanent change for those of you who know the agency background I work at, Base Creative, we're all about stats and data. So this is going to be called Three Fun Stats. And today, in the theme of Facebook ads, I'm going to share a little bit of my research. Okay, so first stat. Would you believe this? 74% of high income earners are actually on Facebook. Now you might think that your go-to platform if you want to target that kind of demographic is through LinkedIn, but they only have or claim to have about 49% of its users classed as high income. So if you're thinking you want to run a campaign and that's your audience, maybe Facebook is your go-to platform. What do you think about that, Becca? I think that it's surprising when you hear it said out loud like that, but when you think about the demographics, specifically age groups on both the platforms, then it makes quite a lot of sense. Mm, absolutely, it does. And also, you know, we think of LinkedIn as being more B2B, so business to business, whereas Facebook, maybe when you've got that kind of consumer hat on. Here's another stat for you, Becca, our second stat. An average Facebook user clicks on guess how many ads a month? <gasps> a month? Okay. Um... And this isn't somebody who's obsessed with stalking advertisers like me. It's no. a normal person. Probably on average. And the average ad, so kind of colourful, maybe a bit of a product demo. <laughs> um, how many ads do you think the average person clicks on in a month? I think... I'm going to say 30. 30. Actually, on average, it's less than half of that. Only 12. So 12 ads kind of get clicked on an average month by any given user. That's about one every 2.5 days. And it doesn't seem like a huge number, uh, but remember not all ads require a click to be effective. All right, and here's a third stat, your last stat. Guess what, Becca? And bear with me on this one. In the countries, Philippines and Libya, yep, yeah, bear with me, Facebook claims it can reach how much the population over 13? 50%. 50%. You think half of the population of the Philippines and Libya Facebook can reach. No, it's much more than that. 85%. 85%. Good guess, Becca. But this is an interesting stat. So what do you think is going to make it interesting? Oh, uh, 99%? Higher. 100%. Mind blown, right? 100%. Oh Facebook's claiming that in those two countries, the Philippines and Libya, Facebook can reach all of the people aged 13 and over. So if you're running a Facebook marketing, marketing campaign uh, in those two countries, I would think that it'd be do, doing pretty well, certainly in terms of reach. So there you have it. Our three fun facts, uh, I should say three fun stats. This episode was about Facebook advertising. Each episode, we like to give a shout out to one of our sharing social community and share with you how you can support them. Today, it's Sarah Clay. Sarah is the founder of the monthly meetup, Linking Out Club, full of knowledge and networking opportunities. It takes place on the last Friday of every month and upcoming guests include Teresa Heath-Waring and Ian Anderson Gray. To find out more, go to Sarah's Instagram at Sarah Clay Social and click the link in her bio. Brilliant. Thanks, Becca, for that shout out. OK, so in this episode, we've been talking about what makes us click a Facebook ad. And it turns out, as long as it's relevant, got some product demos and a video and also some flashy colours, then it certainly gets Becca and I to click. Don't forget, 
you can get involved and be on the show by going to sharingsocial.co.uk. Next month, we'll be exploring the theme, finding your audience on social, with a very special guest, Andy Lambert, founder of Content Cal. You can also engage with us on social between now and our next episode, firstly on Twitter at ShareSocialLDN and on Instagram at SharingSocialLondon. We will see you then.